So we're going to study from Philippians 1. I do hope you'll join me there. We read it. Kyle read it for us a few minutes ago. Philippians 1 will pretty much stay right there for our lesson today. Good to see you guys and hope you are doing very well. I heard a story about this family back, uh, I guess, in pre-pandemic times. They went to see a movie at a real theater uh, with real people. <laughs> and they, uh, they, the, one, of the, one of the kids, one of the sons, uh, went out after the family was in the theater. He went out to get some popcorn and a soda. And when he came back in, they had darkened the lights and he couldn't find his family. So he kind of moseyed around the auditorium, but he couldn't, he couldn't find them. And then finally, he just positioned himself at the front of the theater and he said, does anybody recognize me? And so apparently, uh, I guess presumably, his, his family found him at that point. But I think that story kind of reflects this, this innate desire that all of us have. And that is we want to be seen and we want to be recognized and we want to be known. We want to be loved. We want to be accepted. Everybody's searching for that. I think even people who don't know that they're searching for it, they're, they're, they want that. We want that individually. Something about the way God made us. We, we need community. We need fellowship. We need partnership. We need relationships. We need you know, we need relationships in which we, uh, we are known. We, we've all got relationships that are very superficial. Like, you know, you know people, uh, maybe even people in the church that you don't know well, but certainly people at work or people you just see kind of casually, whatever, a very superficial relationship. You, somebody says, do you know this person? And you're like, well, it depends on how you mean the word no. I know who they are. We know each other's names. We see each other at the ballpark or in the grocery store periodically or whatever. But do I know? No, I don't really know them. I, I haven't ever opened my, up, myself up to them in, in any kind of real way. So we've got that, but we need more than that. You know that. And I think God created the church to be that for us on an intimate level, for us to know one another spiritually, for us to know one another in ways that allow us to share in the struggles that we have and for us to grow together, and for us to experience difficulty together, and to rejoice together, weep with those who weep, rejoice with those who rejoice, that kind of thing. For us to have all things in common, as the early church did in Acts chapter 2, you know. So there's this, there's this thing, this, this human desire for, 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 uh, for intimacy. The, the world is searching for that, and, and, and you'll see various ways people find that through civic organizations, through... Uh, through organizations and communities that are doing good, doing good work. Uh, they, they find it in a bar at, at, after work, you know, the, the, the kind of environment where you, you sit around and, and, and drink with people and, and have conversations. I mean, the world, is, the world is searching for this intimacy and searching in many ways in all the wrong places. But God gave the church for this. I said this in the, in the beginning at the call to worship this present experience makes us difficult in many ways, I believe. And one of my fears, one of, one of the fears of, of our elders and, and us as ministers is that this current pause, this however long it lasts, that there will be relationships in the church that, are, that become more distant, that become less intimate, less real. We want to do what we can to avoid that. And so part of my goal this morning is to take this word from our one-word devotional book, take what Paul teaches us in Philippians 1, and apply it to the church generally because we're not always going to be in this present thing. We're not always going to be in the middle of a pandemic. We pray that this has some, some ending point. 
And, and so I don't want to interpret everything through the lens of this moment. But at the same time, I don't want to ignore this. And so I'm going to try to do both. T apply it to the church as a whole in all times and then specifically to our time. There are four things. Paul, a couple, couple of things before I do that uh, about Philipp Philippians. Just so you know a little bit about the book, before we read the eight or nine verses of it, before we focus in on this, Paul wrote this from prison. You remember the book of Acts when Paul was, he, he took some missionary journeys and then he was in Jerusalem. He got arrested and he spent the rest of, well, for the next few years in, in confinement. He got on board a slave ship or a prison ship bound for Rome, remember it wrecked, ended up in Rome. Finally, he got to Rome, and he was there a couple years, and the book of Acts ends. It just kind of ends there in Acts 28, and it says Paul was there for two years. Well, during those two years, he wrote four letters. He wrote uh, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon. And so this is one of those that he wrote from, from imprisonment. One more thing about this. Back in Acts 16, on one of those missionary journeys, he went to Philippi, and he taught the gospel to a lady named Lydia, and she and her household became Christians. And then he and Silas got arrested and they were shackled in the middle of the night. There was this earthquake, and the jailer, everybody, you know, the, the shackles were unloosed and, uh, or, or were loosed. And, and the jailer came in and said, you know, I'm, I'm just going to die because I'll, I'll be killed the next morning. Remember that story. All right. And Paul taught him the gospel as well. That's Philippi. Paul left town the next day. That's Philippi. Paul loved these people. Paul was frustrated with some churches. And there are a couple of things going on at Philippi that Paul needed to kind of gently nudge them about, but like the book of Galatians, you'll see Paul is really aggravated with them. He skipped over the normal niceties in the chapter 1 and just tore into them pretty, pretty good there in Galatians 1. Uh, church at Corinth he was frustrated by because of the division, and uh, they had all sorts of problems. He loved them, but he was frustrated with some of the things they were doing and allowing to happen. But Philippi, you just kind of get this feeling that he loved these folks. They didn't create a whole lot of problems for him. So, with that in mind, in verses 3 through 11 that Kyle read for us, Paul is saying, man, I love you guys. And I love the kind of relationship that we have with one another. And so there are four things I'm going to mention. You could come up with more. But what does it look like? What does fellowship look like? When, when you and I have relationships corporately, like in the church, but, but with one another, when we have fellowship relationships, the kind that God created us to have with other Christians, what do we do and what does it look like? Here's number one. We pray for one another. We do that. I'm trying to come up with some way to make this sound um, smarter than it is. This is, this is just a basic thing. This is a very practical thing. Uh, this is just, this is just, uh, this is kind of Christianity 101, isn't it? Uh, because this is what we do. This is what we do. But I want to encourage you maybe to tweak it a little bit or to recommit yourself to it. Verse 3, he says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy. Notice the repetition. I thank God always in every prayer, making my prayer with joy. He repeats himself there three times, and he says, I'm praying for you guys. Paul gives a lot of names. He does it in chapter 4 of Philippians. He does it in chapter 16 of Romans. He does it at the end of many of his letters. He'll point out people who are important to him people for whom he's praying. So let me be, be very practical with us as a church right now for a minute. We send out, as a matter of course, care lines every Wednesday. You get them Wednesday afternoon sometime. 
On Thursday, there are changes that Caroline's are updated, and we send those out. Jean sends them out at around 6 or 7 o'clock Thursday afternoon, evening. It's on page 3 of the bulletin, column 2, the middle column. And it's easy for you and me to skip them, to kind of skim them, to ignore them, because they don't change that much. I mean, they do change. They change every week, but not, not, not a ton, usually. So I'd like for us to, especially right now, especially in this moment, for us to pray really hard for one another. And the Carolines is a good place to start. You don't stop there, but you, but you might start there. And it is just taking those names. Some of them you will know because they're part of our family. Some of them you won't know because they're friends or family members of of our people here. But to spend time in prayer by name for people, by name. I think this is important. Part of being in fellowship with one another is sharing in our struggles. And most of the time, the Caroline's announcements, that part of our bulletin is, is things that aren't what they ought to be. It's people who are on hospice. It is people who have upcoming surgery. It is people who are in hospitals. It's for people who have lost loved ones. And our sister Charlene this morning and her prayer request concerning the loss of her brother. It's, it's those sorts of situations. And I know, I'm not saying that you guys aren't already doing this. This is just a matter of my bringing our attention back to this for a minute for us to be reminded, I need this reminder as well, maybe you do too, to be intentional about this every morning or evening or both, maybe three times a day, but to go back and to allow this to be something that we incorporate into our prayers, being very specific about praying for people individually. When it's me or my people, my family, who need prayers, I know it means something when people say, I prayed for you by name. That means something. There's a place for generic prayer. Let's pray for the sick and afflicted. Let's pray for those who are hurting, those who lost loved ones. There's nothing wrong with those sorts of prayers. But there is something special about Christians praying by name for one another. And it seems to me Paul is being very specific. I pray for you. I pray for you guys. And and I have every reason to believe that Paul really, really practiced that. So that's one practical thing. Here's the second thing that happens when we fellowship. We serve God with one another. Look at the word in verse 5. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Because of your partnership. Your partnership. That's the word. We talked about this word before, so I want to mention it. The Greek word koinonia. Koinonia. It's used a lot. It's a very important word in the New Testament. Translated partnership, communion, fellowship. Uh, it's, it's this idea of joint participation. Yeah, participation is another translation. Uh, it's, it's joining with someone in something it's, it's working together in some cause. So what this is, when he says your partnership, he's saying that you and you guys and I join together, working together. There's something to be said for that. In a second, I'm going to talk about how fellowship sometimes implies support, financial support. It does here, but it doesn't only mean that. So you might say, you might think, well, I fellowship with Child Haven. We do fellowship with Child Haven on a couple of levels in our congregation. We support Child Haven Children's Home financially. Our congregation financially sends money. You give on the Lord's Day. Our elders have decided to take a portion of that and send it to Child Haven on a monthly basis. So 
I'm going to talk about that aspect in a second. But there's another way in which we fellowship Child Haven. We take a group up there, have for a number of years, every Christmas, and we take, we take gifts, and we partner with the good work that, the, that they're doing there. That's what he's talking about. So koinonia has a couple of levels. One is supporting financially. That's, that's a good thing to do, and it is, it's an awesome thing that this church does. But that's one level. Another level is going into someone's home. It is taking gifts and food to our friends at Child Haven and serving the children there, serving the families there. See what, see what I'm saying? Partnership is more than sending money, though it is that often, but a deeper level of that is getting your hands dirty. And so we send money to Tanzania or to one of our other mission points. So that is a fellowshipping activity. We send but also, there's a deeper level of that fellowship for those who go and they put boots on the ground in Arusha. That's a different level. Uh, it, is, it is joining together with good efforts in helping to promote a good cause. See, see, I think that's what Paul's talking about here. So, when you join with, all right, let me take this one, one more level. When you join with other members of this church in doing good, you get to know those people on a different level. If you've been on a mission trip with somebody in this church, you know, there's something to be said for us worshiping together and going to fellowship meals here together when we can have those. I mean, that's a good thing. But I think everybody who's been on a mission trip to you know, Tanzania, Peru, Guyana, Philippines, somewhere else, uh, you know that, man, when you spend you know, 4,700 hours in airports over the course of you know, a, a week or two, and when you, you, know, you don't take a shower for two days or three days or whatever, you, there's, a, there's a different level of that kind of interaction. That's not the only way to do it. But it's, it's showing up for a work day you know, in your jeans and T-shirt. It's, it's, it's going out and mowing grass and weed eating with somebody. When you do that, I think that's what Paul's talking about here. That's partnership, and, and the church needs that. We need it. People we serve need it, but I think we need to do it more than people need us to do it for them quite often. So, we serve God with one another. That's fellowship. Here's the third thing. I've already talked about this a little bit, but we help one another. We help one another. So, he says, uh, partnership probably implies it, but skip down to verse 7. It's right for me to feel this way about you because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace. Now, let me show you what Paul means by that. I'm going to turn over three pages of my Bible to chapter 4. Near the end of the same letter, Philippians 4, Paul says, verse 14, It was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership, there's our word again, with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases and so on. So what's he talking about there? He says your partnership, it's more, it's, it's not only that we've worked together, but it's that you've helped me financially do this thing. That's fellowship. That's partnership. So they were in Philippi. Paul was in Rome, and they had sent Paul money. He lived to Romans, uh, I mean, the uh, book of Acts tells us this. Paul, in Rome, when he was in prison, he had to support himself. He had to financially care for his own, take care of his own needs. So, and he couldn't work, so churches like Philippi sent him money to help him deal with that. And so Paul says, I thank you for that. Part of fellowshipping is helping meet the needs of those who need help. 
And so it is financial. It is giving to Child Haven. It is bringing um, the, the gifts from Dollar Tree so that they might be given to backpack buddies in the month of June. That is helping one another. It's serving with one another. It is giving to Healing Hands International for Walk for Water, as you guys have done for the last uh, two or three years. That is fellowship. So we help one another. It is baking a, a meal for somebody who's just had surgery. You, when you, so many of you have done that. That's, that's fellowship. It's going over and mowing somebody's grass. You know, it is, uh, I mean, you know what we're talking about. It's help. Not only serving alongside of, but it is, sometimes it is it's just it's, it's helping somebody financially. That's fellowship. The church in these times we need to be aware, and we are aware. I think we are trying to be alert to the needs of our folks who might be struggling and who might need us to come alongside of them and fellowship with them in a very specific way. Last one, we feel affection for one another. And perhaps it's this that's challenged most by our experience. Not that we don't feel affection for one another right now, but affectionate feelings are stimulated by personal presence. And with our staying six feet away from one another, facial expressions obscured by a face covering, it is an obstacle we've got to deal with. Paul, in, in our text here, verse 8, notice the language here. He says, For God is my witness how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. But one thing that kind of jumped out at me was I was bemoaning our restrictions, the, the way we're having to do things right now, is, is I was reminded, Paul was in prison when he wrote this. He was hundreds of miles away from the Philippians. And I don't know if you knew this, but they did not have Zoom. The Philippians did not, they didn't have Zoom. They didn't even know about it yet. Like they hadn't heard of Zoom. Hadn't been invented yet. So they didn't have so many of the technological kind of things that we have now. Paul was in prison in Rome. They were in Philippi. It took weeks for a, an old-fashioned letter to... Can you imagine having to communicate with one another by letters? How antiquated is that? So Paul would have to mail a letter, give it to Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus would have to traverse all the distance from, from Rome to Philippi and take him the letter. Here's my point. We've got some obstacles to fellowship right now. I'm not denying those. But they're not obstacles that can't be overcome. We just have to be intentional. And we have to use the means that are available. And, and, and maybe, I, maybe I, I talk a little bit here specifically. I know we've got folks joining in from home. And as we said from the very beginning of this, we're thankful for technology that allows us to present worship online. And we're thankful many people are joining in online. And we've encouraged folks, if you're especially in a vulnerable category, you don't feel comfortable coming to worship, we want you to feel good about staying at home and worshiping. So I say that, but I also say this. Regardless of, of our current experience, whether we're able to come in this kind of mitigated setting now or staying at home for now, is be intentional about strengthening and developing relationships. We need that. And to the extent that relationships with one another suffer during this time, our relationship to Christ is also affected by that. Because we don't just have a relationship with Christ apart from others. It is a communal thing, as, as Tori was praying about a minute ago. 
it's a, it's a communal thing. We, we do this. We have a relationship with God that isn't just a, it's not just me and God thing. Never has been. You can have a relationship with you and God. I hope you do. Very individual thing. But you don't do it alone. You don't do it alone. Uh, yeah, spend time in prayer on your knees every day, just you and the Lord. But, but you, even that act, uh, even that act, the Lord's prayer in Matthew 6 is, uh, our Father who's in heaven. You still do that as a part of a community, even in that time. So my point here, I think, I hope is what Paul's saying is that this affection has got to be nurtured. And it's got to, and, and as long as we only know each other from a distance, it is hard for affectionate relationships to be maintained. You've, some of you have been in long-distance relationships before with somebody you're dating or maybe even engaged to, or maybe married to because of certain situations and you had to be apart for a long time. You try to maintain that, and you know it takes extra effort to keep the relationship what it ought to be. So that, I think, is, a, is kind of a, a byproduct or a, a, a lesson on the, on the periphery here of what Paul is saying to us today is, I yearn for you, I yearn for you with all the affection of Jesus Christ is to put effort into this thing. We need one another because we can't do this thing alone. God called us to be the church in community. It is, by definition, a communal thing. If you're not a Christian this morning, as part of the church, we invite you to come to Jesus Christ. There's someone here who's never named his name. You've never confessed the name of Jesus. You've never been baptized into Christ. We're here to help you in your obedience. We would be thrilled for that. Uh, Maybe you need to ask for prayers, as Charlene did this morning, as others have done recently. Uh, We'll pray, pray for you however we can. Let's stand and sing. If you need to come, I hope you'll come now.